Hello and welcome to the Hardball Gets podcast. This is the AFLW Takeover. We're back for another season, our second in 2022. Let's get stuck into it. Eliza Riley, myself, we're joined by Jen Wallace and we've got some breaking off-season trade news. Some from, trade news. Some trade news from the AFLW landscape. Um, it, it's with a heavy heart, but there is a bit of excitement attached that Ash Renshaw from our inaugural potty requested a trade to Fremantle she over did. the off-season. Um, or did so, they request a trade for her? No, she. well, maybe it was a <laughs> bit of both. We don't actually know. We haven't um, had the chance to speak to her because she's dropped off our radar and gone on to better and bigger things. Um, but basically, we, myself and Jen, we went to Fremantle and said, give us three first-rounders back. I think that's a fair price to pay for Ash Renshaw services. And they told us to get stuffed um, and knocked us back, said our asking price was too high. So we, instead, what do we do? We, we, we scoured the landscape. We looked at the, li- the Freo's list for some emerging young talent and we settled on Amy Lavelle. Yeah, some emerging young talent. I like that. Welcome, uh, Amy. Young talent, that's great. I would use young in front of my name any day. We also scoured the, the amateur footy leagues, really. So yeah, we, went, we, we went both ways. We did. Yeah, Welcome. It was just a straight swap, wasn't it? Renshaw took my job at Freo and I went back the other way. So, um, yeah, she can have it at the moment. It's a bit busy down there, I think. Yeah, win-win trade, I think. But we're yeah. hoping to come out on top in a few seasons' time, I think. We'll come out with the chockies in this Definitely. trade. Definitely. Yeah. Very happy. Happy to have you, Cotters. Yeah, happy to be here. So, Amy. Amy, can you tell us a bit about yourself for the for the uninitiated? Um, yeah, I have to go back a bit. I uh, played the first uh, inaugural season of the AFLW for Fremantle and uh, played two full seasons, 14 games. That uh, doesn't sound like many, but that's two actual full seasons. So <laughs> a bit different to uh, this um, this year. So, um, And then I went straight from there to coaching at Fremantle as an assistant coach for the forward line and did that for four seasons and this year I'm having a bit of a break um it's very busy so decided to uh try my hand at a few new things and um yeah just watch from afar very good I mean we'll definitely be um speaking forward line no doubt when we we get to Fremantle so we've got the snag king (laughs) on our hands Wembley A grade oh no B grade leading goal kicker uh, yeah, yeah, I kicked 71 goals for the season for 13 games. <laughs> just, just so, casually. Yeah, just casually. 71. It's a bit of a change to uh, AFLW, that's for sure. It's uh, nice and slow-paced, which is nice. You I might kicked, get drafted next year. I kicked one. Just going to put it out there. You kicked one? I kicked one. <laughs> fullback. <laughs> own goal. in the last quarter. You had to put that in there, fullback. Yeah, know. fullback, fullback. So it was it was unexpected, but it was an exciting moment for pe- me personally. So. I didn't realise this was turning into your own personal football bragging show right oh, now. <laughs> what, are, what are we in here for? Come on. <laughs> so we've got our grand finals this weekend. We'll, we'll park that for now. We might have to revisit that next week, Amy, because, of course, I'm in A grade and you're in B grade. So I've already got that over you, even though you played AFLW. But yep. let's... Uh, you rip, can take that one. <laughs> let's move in uh, to a bit of a look at what's happening in the AFLW space. Because, obviously, round one, we're back again two seasons in the one year. And we have a fully-fledged 18-team competition. Exciting. Can you believe? Take yourself back to the first season you're involved and now 18 teams already and it's only season seven. It blows my mind, to be yeah. honest with you. Like, just to go from, from that infancy to now, it's like... 
yeah, I can't believe, really can't believe how fast it's gone. Like, really, I thought maybe they would have kept with eight teams for five or six years and just to, you know, go from there to there so quickly pretty crazy <laughs> yeah I've got, I mean I've, I've had my reservations about it we spoke about it last year throughout when the expansion was coming I do have concerns about it but at the same time I'm ready to give it the entire year and times I feel like maybe there will be some pain but the gain is going to be great as well in time and the fans just seeing oh. a whole new legion of fans turn up on the weekend four new teams and they they didn't get belted off the park any of them which was probably a good first up thing I think the AFL got the matchups like dead on in this first round because they were all competitive I think you're right because I was really worried about that I thought you know they've got this pre-finals buy for the AFL men's and a bit of a showcase people wanting to still continue to go the footy before finals fever this week with the men's and I was like oh hoping there's no 100 point blowouts and it just looks like a poor spectacle but I thought it wasn't too bad yeah we probably had one low scoring game which we will get to but other than that um um, there was plenty of highlights from, from the first round of AFL Season 7 for AFLW. Just quickly, before we rip into the two minutes, some news items of the week. The AFL umpires, they've already got it wrong, apparently, in the Geelong-Richmond <laughs> game. It's first round of the season. They've already had to admit they made a mistake. So the free kick was there in the final minute of the game. Mon Conti laid a dangerous tackle, which led to the downfield free kick. But Prasparkas shouldn't have taken that kick and that was the match winning goal. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Because I I mean I I know they've come out and said that the 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 call was right originally, but I didn't feel that there was too much in the tackle itself. But yeah, I think Prasparkas just sort of she put her hand up and said, Give me the ball back and everyone did and it just went with that. Because it was yeah only what a fifteen metre maybe move forward when they say downfield so it wasn't it wasn't that great but I think Geelong would have been happy with that like absolutely. just yeah put your hand up because she can kick a long ball so I'd yeah. be letting her take it any day if I was her teammate I'd be like yeah you take it yeah hundred percent hundred percent so they they got away with one there the cats they absolutely did, they did and looking at our rising star nominees for the round got to kick it off with Abby Dowrick and WA product we've seen what she's been able to do in the Waffle W for Subiaco obviously went across to South Australia earlier this year to get in front of those Port Adelaide recruiters and it's paid dividends yeah, I've got a, I've got a big call about that. I've coached Abby Darrick down at, at Subi, and um, I was baffled last season when she wasn't picked up by Eagles or Frio. You um, weren't the only one. I was. Wait, yeah, <laughs> I would have picked her up in a heartbeat. Darrick equal, if not for that suspension, which ruled her ineligible. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just could not believe that neither team picked her up. Just a handy inclusion. Just such a strong on baller. Like you really don't see that type of player like in every team like it's one you cry out for as a as a women's player and for me I was just baffled and I think Eagles and Dockers would be looking back on round one and just going why did we do that why did we make that mistake bang on to to have her miss last year and then miss again and you're just like I don't understand your thought process she can she's got a long kick on her so she can get out and over the back and get the team out of congestion Um, she's strong through her hips so she can get in and under as you say Um, she's tough to tackle and she loves to tackle so there's so much upside to her. Yeah, I'm so stoked that she made that choice to go over to Adelaide and, and do that and now rewarded with people noticing her in round one. I'm, I feel like it's a, she's going to be a name that hopefully injury-wise that stays away from her. She's going to go big and big. I agree. I think if she's she keeps away from the injuries, she's going to have a ripper season. Like yep. I, 
um, already sort of picked her for Rising Star. Me too. Um, That's my tick. Early bird. Early bird. Yeah. Early bird goes <laughs> And that was before we even started. And I tweeted before the game on um, on Saturday. I was like, she's going to chop. She's going to absolutely chop. And she got what most disposals that game. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so we'll have to screenshot your How tweet. How many followers do you have on Twitter? My... Not many. <laughs> so we need to pump you up. We've got the oracle in our realms. And she's, she's getting absolutely no bang for a buck on Twitter. So there we go. Paige Scott was the other um, Rising Star nominee from Essendon. But already on the downside of round one, we've already had some big injuries with big ramifications, starting with Lily Postlethwaite Just from don't, Brisbane. Don't. It, this Sorry. breaks me. What, what was it? 500 and... 533 days. And you celebrate her coming back and then this happens in her first game. Why does it happen to players in runs with injuries like that? And then again, the question we asked all throughout last season was what is it with knee injuries and AFLW? But oh, broke me. Broke me. I think too because it's such a contested game. Um, yeah. I think when you look at contested possessions and, and differentials with that, it's such a close game that continually the power through the legs that they, is required. It's constantly changing direction, trying to get out of traffic, and um, obviously that's creating those injuries, but you just never want to see it. No. You could tell in her eyes, I reckon, as she was getting carried off. She knew. Yeah, she, she knew. did. And the fact is, it's the opposite knee to the one she's just gotten back from. So it's that's that's the dagger to the heart, I reckon. But You do see that in players who've done it before. There's a look on their face, isn't there, that just they don't even need the, the physios and the trainers because they're like, yep, I know I've done it. It's gone. And just looking as well, so we've got Montana Ham at Sydney. She's actually avoided the worst-case scenario, the f- number one draft pick from last year. We were thinking maybe ACL based on the action, but she's only going to be out for three to four weeks with the knee sprain, so good news there. Very yeah, news. I thought when I saw it, I didn't think she had done it. I thought she'd be pretty unlucky if she had, like pretty unlucky. I thought maybe like a medial or a meniscus yeah, at I thought least, um, just because of the way that she, she extended that knee. But, um, yeah, lucky what about for her. Gibbo, do we have yeah, news on? Yeah, so Gibbo, the verdict on that is coming out Wednesday morning. Um, West Coast have said so. They're still analysing those scans. But takes takes a while to get the scans done in WA. Yeah, <laughs> wait a while, WA. Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move into the two minute warning. We're going to do things a little differently this season with the nine games. We're going to look at each game for two minutes each. Um, so kicking off. On the first game of the season, open with Collingwood Carlton, the Magpies got up by 18 points. The big question we've been asking about the Magpies is whether they have the midfield depth to go far this season, obviously losing Bree Davey, Britt Benici. How do we think they went first up answering that question? Probably a massive plus, would you agree? Yeah, yeah I think... Um Pushing, push, pushing Slasher into there. She's just great with it, um, her clearances and her ground balls. So I think adding her in there, she's almost like a little bit like plays like Brie Davies. So um, I thought that was a massive plus. Yeah, and I think for them, you, we still probably wait to question mark them coming up in other, a really strong known midfield. So I think Carlton on the flip side are a side that we all have concerns about where they'll end up in the table. But um, a rough week for Carlton supporters, really, when you look at those, the, the men's uh, end of the rounds and stuff like that. Like that, but um, yeah, Collingwood for me, they yeah, they looked like they were okay throughout the midfield. It was a pickup. I think I'm always going to talk about the forward line, but I think mm, bring one, on. one bring big, it on. One big worry for me is the Collingwood forward line. I, I think they lack a little bit of firepower. Um, they're obviously good with their ruck. They probably equaled it, which was probably a bonus for them with Moody because I think she's one of the best rucks in the comp. Um, but to only have 
18, like 37 to 18 differential and their efficiency wasn't that great. Um, just be interesting to see how they go when they, as you said, when they come up against a stronger team. And Ash Brazel, she's coming back. The, she's just been at the Com Games, won a gold in the netball and suddenly she's back at Collingwood training. So that's going to be huge in later in the season. Yeah, that's a good thing. I reckon, I mean, again, another like an athlete and an experienced athlete as well. So, yeah, I think that's only going to add to add to their ability across the ground to be resilient through maybe some pressure situations, which I think they will come under. From a Carlton point of view, Lucy McAvoy really stood out for me. She wasn't supposed to be playing until round five with that shoulder and suddenly she comes out round one and she absolutely dominates. So, bit to like there with her game. Yeah, I think Carlton overall... Uh, that is, I think I just said it. That they're a side that, for me, I, I worry about where they'll finish up throughout the year. I think they're someone that the club's going to go after. So, tough for them this year. Now let's look at the grand final rematch. Adelaide hosting Melbourne. Um, game actually shifted because a bit of mud at the Oval. So, that was a fun round one. I thought, playing in winter, this is going to happen a bit more, isn't it? But anyway, the Demons got up by 18 points. Huge early call for mine. The Demons have one place in the grand final already. I was so impressed with how they went about it. And I know we've only played one game, but to come out and get revenge in that sort of fashion said a lot about how far they're going to me this season. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think um, definitely the two contenders for the flag alongside maybe with Brisbane, a close third. Um, I still think Melbourne have more depth maybe than Adelaide going into the rest of the season, obviously depending on injuries. But um, I just found I still find both... You know, the kicking efficiency probably lacking um, more so that you would think. Um, maybe that's just obviously first round round nerves and those sort of things. But do you notice how hard the ground was? It was The ba- the ball was bouncing miles in the air. Well, Glenelg's an, an, another cricket ground as well. So that would have a, a hard centre square throughout and a hard outfield from, from my memories. Um, but I think one thing for me that I noticed where some of the losses for Port, for Adelaide Crows have been with some of the losses to say the likes of Port Adelaide, I thought... Randall was excellent and had a really big start to the third quarter, but so they had to put her in the midfield, but then they lost her off Taylor Harris. Mm. And so that's part of what they've got to figure that puzzle out. Do you think um, Adelaide missed Aaron Phillips? I don't think they did. Is that a a big call? Because Phillips... Like, she's been a star for so long, but she's she's getting on. And I don't think she's going to be the player we've known of her at Port, although mm. she w- we'll talk about it for the Port game, but she was carrying a massive cork. But I just think that Adelaide, you're giving someone else the chance now to take on more responsibility. I think they just got to get a bit more organised. And, so. and Marinoff probably had a quieter game than we would have expected yeah. as well. If Made you a look lot at, of cuddles, but... If you look at the inside 50s, they only had seven shots from 33 inside 50s. Yeah. So they're relying on maybe too few, and they probably relied on Phillips to sort of fill the gaps, and now they don't have that, so it might take them a couple of games to work that out. Moving on to... every time. (laughs) Whoa, the Kangaroos taking on the Suns. North Melbourne got up there by 26 points. Jazzy Garner... 27 disposals. I absolutely love her in the midfield causing havoc. We've known in the past she's tried to sort of split that time between midfield and forward, playing a bit at both. But is this the season we start to see her maybe push to play exclusively in the midfield because she is so good in there? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know whether I can embellish much more. It's just, yes, she's a star of our game and I think she's going to be right up there again. Stay injury-free. I reckon she's going to be right up there come the end of the season for BNF. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I think she has to stay in the midfield. Um, she's just such an enigma with her size and her ball-winning abilities. Um, you want to keep her where you can use her the best and get the most out of her, I think. I agree. Because she can still sort of push forward and hit the scoreboard. But, like, the thing for the Kangaroos for me over the past season is they've they've put... Um, Oh, I lost her name. Who's the key forward who's gone up from defence and switched? Uh, Randall. Randall. Yeah. Randall and Emma King. They are such a threat up there that I feel like with those two up there, they're filling what Jazzy provides with that overhead marking. So yeah. player in the midfield, player in bursts, and then let the other two do their work up there. What of the Suns, though? Where are they? Yikes. Yeah, yikes. I think it's going to be a long season. Long season for the Suns. They, they host West Coast next. Um, I think West Coast will be eyeing that off as a two in two wins. Yeah, well, um, I think they lost a couple of key players, and I, mm. I don't know. I just, I, it's going to be interesting because I, I think they're lacking a few key areas that are going to severely affect them against the better teams. Yeah, they're playing Jamie Stanton, their best ball winner in the forward pocket. A waste. Give me a spell, Gold Coast. <laughs> what are you doing, Cam Joyce? I know. When you wish you could clone some players, don't you? Yeah. That's what you wish you could do because, you know, I want them there as the forward target, but I really need them here to be able to hit themselves. <laughs> Looking locally now, West Coast hosting Port Adelaide. The Eagles got up in that one by 12 points after kicking the final four goals of the game. For me, it was their improved fitness. They've spoken all preseason about how much running and how much work they've put in. They're fitter than ever. And we sort of showed that in that final quarter with being able to overrun the power. But what's what do you guys reckon is their ceiling this year, win-loss? Because they've got Suns, Bombers, GWS they in the next three. The easiest uh, pull-round draw. draw in I've ever seen a season. Yeah. So if they can't shape a few wins from that, then I would call it a disappointment because that well they've got one they've already equaled last season so and they've never won the first game of the season I don't think from from looking back at their stats so they've got one from one and they go Gold Coast Suns Essendon GWS so they have got the chance to go four from four to start I know and it potentially believe it if it happened they have to try and get five out of ten at the very least to go more than they've ever won before, but five out of ten at least from the season. But that's putting the middle of the ladder and that flatters them severely. It does, but their draw flatters them. So if they don't make the most of it... But can we please stop playing hooker in a half-back position? Oh, we've had this conversation. <laughs> Me and Jenny are it right on this bandwagon. And it's just the experiment is over. Yeah. Because the reason they won that last quarter is because Dana Hooker went into the middle and she is a genuine ball winner. Yep. She is see ball, get ball player. She is not a roam around the halfback and read the play player. She is a, I see the ball, I go and get it. And she's one of the cleanest players in the league yep. in terms of below her knees. Just put her on the ball. That she needs to be in the middle and then have that, like, if this is me coming from my layman's fans perspective, but, like, she should be allowed to go and get the ball and everyone else go, oh, that's Dana, I'll stay out and I'm the option for her to release to. Though I don't know structurally what you call that, but that's my vision of, of where she is. I like it and good to see Gemma Houghton getting somewhat back to her best in her debut game Just for the hold power. more marks, Gem. Yeah. <laughs> just I, hold I was giving her a compliment there and you've just torn it apart, but <laughs> I'm not wrong though. <laughs> oh, that was a long four seasons. It was raining. She's not used to the rain. <laughs> All right, looking at Sydney and St Kilda, of course the Swans making their AFLW debut, but they went down by 29 points up there at North Sydney Oval. 
The return of Patrikios is one I want to focus on. Um, she got more disposals than anyone on the park with 18, but I feel like it's still going to take her a little bit of a time to adjust. Like, she just felt a little bit rushed on occasions, which we don't really see from her in the past. Well, she's had a season out. The game has improved and changed in that. That well, no, it's not that long, really. Yeah, but everyone, it has everyone's been jabbed, so everyone's got that superhuman power, <laughs> and she doesn't. So yeah, they've got five G. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one other thing for me, and this is taking it out of the Saints thing, but North Sydney Oval yep. that has got to be becoming the like mecca of women's sport in Australia. So it, it's it always gets great crowds when it's cricket in summer because it's a perfect sort of venue for women's sport then, and it's proved the same. What a great ground to go to and watch. And they had, did they have 8,000 or 10,000 or something at North Several Sydney thousand. Oval? In yep. fact, their coach made the call that, oh, the crowd went against us because we couldn't hear each other. Don't say stuff like that, mate. <laughs> yeah. Scott, Don't, let's not. Scott, <laughs> check your privilege, mate. Let's not complain about a crowd noise. Let's not do that for the game. They probably got swept up in the emotion, didn't of they? Of course. There was a crowd. It was making their debut. It was pretty exciting. Um, but... Uh, what I really like from St Kilda as well, A, Kate Sheila kicking four mm. goals. B, Erin McKinnon, obviously crossing from GWS. She looks to really have embraced that role of the Soul Rock. Mm. And St Kilda had 34 tackles inside 50. Oh. So as a forward coach, I would be pretty impressed with that. You'd so that's just showing how, you know, they're obviously maybe increasing that forward pressure in orbit and creating more scoring opportunities. So that's what you want. Yeah, perfect start for them against an expansion side and they came out and they played really well. Bombers and the Hawks. So this was the clash of the two debutantes. Essendon got up by 26 points. Um, Hayley Miller tweeted it. Of course, captain of Fremantle, but I'm going to claim it as my own Fremantle? <laughs> Fremantle, Dockers. Um, but I'm going to claim it as my own point of view as well. This is why AFLW should be played in stadiums more often. Yes, absolutely. The, <laughs> it has to be. The better grounds, the less weather conditions potentially come in. Like we think Casey Fields. We all won't know we want oh, Casey, Casey Fields to be Fields. just cut out of the <laughs> roster completely. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Um, and then, yeah, like good on good on the fans and stuff that bought into the move it to Marvel and made it happen. And to, I heard from some people that they thought, you know, the bottom area felt like there was 20,000 people there. Mm. But so, even the Gabba on Sunday, yeah. you know, the skills, the actual total True. score, yeah. considering how like um, much pressure and how contested it was, like that's what you want to see. You want to see more score. You want to be, see more excitement, and I think you get that from a stadium. So Bombers or Port Adelaide? The Bombers got the win, but po- how, who's going to go better over the season? Bombers uh, for mine, yeah. Okay. For me, I reckon they've got the best list of the expansion teams. I think they actually drafted really well. Um, they don't have any... St- like they have stars, yeah, with Kane and Press Barkus and Georgia G. But I think those are little extra ones they've got on the fringe that are worth probably like fringe players for their team. I think that's mm. really helpful when you're building a list to have those sort of players. So, yeah, I would say they're the best. That that's a big call, yeah. but and yeah. too good kicking too always helps from a broadcast perspective. Yeah, very nicely done. And we know Bet Goddard loves her loves her stunts and analogies. Oh yes. Did we see the bag of sand? What she was that about it? the sand thing? I missed so, it. So line in the sand is of oh. course the famous game between Essendon and Hawthorne in the men's game, the rivalry from years and yonks ago where um, they made a stand for themselves, Hawthorne. But she pulled a bag of sand in front of the change rooms, and all the players were walking across it, going, "What the hell is this? They're, they're all nineteen year olds going. I don't know what this means." <laughs> for me, it's like. Is Beck Goddard trying to recreate her season one of Adelaide with her game plan? I think it's not a game plan that is going to hold up in this 
type of play that we have now. Um, if you look on, they want to play on all the time. Um, so you look, they had a um, 135 kicks to 55 handballs. Right. Um, yeah. So, but they lost the contested possessions. Okay. So for me, that's like, yes, you can play on all the time and kick long, which has helped Adelaide in the first season because everyone was disorganised and didn't know sort of how the footy was going to go. But I'm not sure how well it's going to stand up in this season. Yeah, because I think that um, most people these days are, their defence is getting structurally set up so much better and now it's at finding your way as you know as a forward coach to get your attack through the structured defence and a huge moment I suppose with um, uh, Sophie Locke and her the story throughout that as well with kicking the first goal for Hawthorne and what the last couple of weeks have been for her and her family so there was an emotional moment there as well. Alright moving on to Bulldogs versus the Giants, the Dogs getting up by seven, it was well a, a big finish from GWS, but the dogs managing to to hold on throughout this one. Um, Lammy, one of my favourites throughout last season, Lammy getting the first goal. I couldn't have cheered harder at that point in time. Um, I'm I'm happy to see her. I'm hoping she goes back to back brilliant seasons. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, she she came into last season with that foot injury, which really sort of limited her preparation. And I think she was trying to play catch up the whole season um, after such a limited preseason. But I'm hoping like with a full preseason under her belt this is her chance to just come out and dominate even more because she sort of took the step into that probably second tier, but she's still not quite first tier. Yeah. But she's close. She's knocking on the door of it. She's close. Yeah, which is good. The only thing for me for the doggies was I probably expected them to be able to close out GWS better. So maybe that underlines maybe I've I've underestimated where GWS is this year. I'm not sure with that side either. So it it remained pretty close, like only the seven in it. Yeah, I think it was hard to gauge too, but I think obviously the middle – sort of the clearances is what helped Bulldogs. They probably just, as you said, couldn't like quite finish it off. So um, Pritchard and Blackburn had 13 clearances between them. So um, if they can keep winning in the middle and get it forward, it creates more scoring opportunities. So you'd hope... I, I, I found it hard to gauge where GWS was as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see who they got next week. They I'm play sure. Brisbane next, so that's going to be a real litmus test. Well, like the doggies take on Port Adelaide. So, again, for both, we probably see if Western Bulldogs can prove they're a step above expansion. And then same for Greater Western Sydney. They're, they're the team that are trying to show to us that they're not going to slide. Yeah, it's nice to see Gabby Newton back too. Oh, how good yeah. was she? She's great. Love yeah. her. She's in my fantasy team. Lazy, 86 points in round one. I said, thank you, Gabby Newton. I haven't checked my fantasy team. I need to check it. <laughs> Moving on to Lions taking on the Dockers result. Brisbane, way too strong, 49-point winners there. Um, for me, alarm bells at Fremantle. They're, they're, they're probably not the most skilled side in the competition and what they've done over the past few years with their list has been really good in the way they've based their game on elite pressure and that sort of chaos going forward. But when that was closed down by Brisbane, it starts to make me fear how they actually stack up against these top-tier teams. I think Brisbane were also really, really good. Yeah, they were. Yeah, They were excellent. And I think Frio are missing some experienced bodies. And Cotters, I think you're probably best to, to take this away. You're the closest to this. Your thoughts? Oh, Is she going to bash her old team? <laughs> it was really hard to watch, to be honest with you. Like um, From being there from the very first season, and I've been there the whole time until not being there for the first season this year, it was difficult to watch. Um, I think... As you said, they're losing a lot of key players. Um, I think the wing is killing them at the moment. 
because um, you look at you lost Ebony Antonio and Stephanie Kane, which are your two best. Yep. And then you're contending with the likes of Ola O'Dwyer, mm. um, Ely and uh, Michaela Hyde and Phil Seth just couldn't couldn't go couldn't, with couldn't go with her. They just don't. They lack a little bit of that that class and experience. And I think Fremantle just in general. They lack a little bit of depth. Yeah. So they're struggling with that at the moment. I think there's some positive signs and I think they can always turn it around and I, I they should win this week, I think, with who they have. Um, but I, too, it was hard for me to see in terms of them not making any changes during the game as well. Like, I think Phil probably had the worst game I've ever seen her have and that's just coming back from... Whole season out, as we talked about that pressure and that understanding, and it's just a completely different game when you've been out for a whole season. And I think she'll only get better. But um, yeah, whether being on the wing is a positive thing or whether she needs to help on the halfback, I'm not sure. I'm not a coach, head coach for that reason. But I think maybe they may need to do some shuffling in order to uh, see where their cards may lay later in the season. I know we're only supposed to be two minutes, but I think Kaufman, big tick. And mm. um, I think for me, I'd love to see more intensity for longer from Roxy Rue. I think she has to she has to give more around the ground because Franklin's the younger one. And I think from the forward line, we need Rue to actually really go places She just needs to go wise. back to basics. Like she tries to take these big hangers and take these huge marks and do all these specky things. So it's More just go work. back to basics. What's your role? What have you got to execute for this side? I think the midfield quickly, uh, the midfield is strong enough to contend with the best teams. I don't see that being an issue at all. Um, I just think that that structural getting that ball forward and creating those opportunities is something that they'll continue to have to work on. Right. We had overtime like in soccer just then. Yeah. The producers are staring at us. could go all day. <laughs> Shannon, there we go. Second siren in the bank. Geelong v Richmond to round things out. So the Cats won this one by four points. Um, to be honest, the less we probably say about this game, the better. So maybe we can make up a bit of time here. Because <laughs> it was the lowest scoring game of the round. There was three goals kicked in the entire match and one of them came in the final minute. Is on on the general scale of the competition, is this a once off or are we gonna still I hope see so. snatches really like so, Because that was painful. That was so painful. And especially Richmond for me have been a, a, a team that are good at kicking goals. Yeah. That's, and that's everyone's their been thing. talking them up yes. as finals contenders and then some included. They're also missing Katie Brennan. So yeah. I yeah. mean that's a big out. That's but, a big out. But but it can't just be Katie Brennan though. No. That's that was the whole thing. And you know, we we love Mon Conti here. Like we've always been a big Mon Conti fan. But yeah, I just couldn't believe how low scoring this was and I hope it's a exception, not the rule. And it wasn't like they weren't moving the ball. Like it wasn't like it was such a contested game that they weren't. The ball was moving here, there, everywhere, back forward, they were getting their kicks, they were hitting their targets, but then every time they needed it just lacked a little bit of polish at yeah, the finish. End. Yeah, it was difficult to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, so looking towards this weekend, we've got another huge matchups um, on the agenda. Let's just take a bit of a look locally before we wrap up. So Fremantle taking on the Cats at 11.40 a.m. on Saturday. Do we think Freo bounce back? I think so. 
I think I they'll so. be hungry to get a win and especially being back at home. It could be wet conditions as well. So I think that their contested game and their tackle pressure and stuff actually, if, when it's rainy, they, they actually thrive in those conditions a little bit as well. But probably going to be another low scorer if it does rain. No. I know. <laughs> I'll tip Freo here because Gabby too. O'Sullivan yeah, me told me she'd be scared to be Geelong um, in her post-match interview <laughs> with me. So <laughs> <Gabs>. <laughs> stern warning from a very positive, very non-threatening player. No, um, I think they'll be really keen to they. get a big win but, on the board. Like mm-hmm. I think they'll feel pretty confident going into this round. So, And on Sunday, the Eagles heading across to Queensland to take on the Suns at Metricon Stadium. I think the Eagles go two from two and I never thought I would have said that. Me too. They have to, I think, go two from two as well. Great opportunity this start of the season for them. I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said that before in yeah. all uh, time, but uh, I think they can win. But I also think it depends on the midfield game um, with the two teams. Like Gold Coast can definitely bounce back, even if they put Stanton in the middle there. Mm. Um, you know, put Hooker in the middle. We'll start put saying it every in week the now. Middle, yeah. Please. <laughs> hashtag move it to Marvel. Hashtag put Hooker in the middle. That's it. <laughs> All right, that's been another Hardball Get. Thank you for joining us this week. And thank you, Amy, for making your debut on the podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on Hardball Gets AFL as well on Instagram. Completely packed for work and the weekend. This podcast was brought to you by the new Mazda BT50 SP, the complete package. We'll see you next week.